Brother Williams told me, not I got saved. If I'd have been the only sinner in the world, Christ would have died just for me. He, he made it personal. I realized that all my life that Jesus died for the world. But the night I got saved, he made it personal. Christ died for me. But God commended his love toward me. And that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. If you would please turn in your Bible to the book of Job. If you don't know how to spell that. If your pages stick together, just keep working at it. And uh, I thought since we were honoring our graduates and uh, my mind went back to the kindergarten graduates and then after 12, 13 years or like in some of our lives, 20 years we get through high school and uh, I just thought about the little word life someone has said that the tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon but that we wait so long to begin it In your Bible to the book of Job, chapter number 7, if you would please. And I'd like to ask Job today to give us some lessons on life. It has been said that there are seven ages of man. Spills, drills, thrills. Bills, ills, pills, and wills. Ernie, did you get that? For you folks that are slow, could I tell you again? Spills, drills, thrills, heels, ills. Pills and wills. Every one of us are somewhere within that category. I'm somewhere between pills and wills. <laughs> and I don't know whoever come up with that category, they should have put some spills. Between pills and bills. <laughs> it's not that it takes me a long time to take the pills. It's finding them after I've dropped them on the floor four or five times. <laughs> Amen. Verse 1 of chapter 7. There are many ideas concerning what life is all about. Job asked the question, is there not an appointed time to man upon the earth? In his suffering, in his disappointment, in his personal ugliness, 
in his emotional disappointment. In the tragedy of tragedies in life. Job asked the question. Is not. Is there not an appointed time. To man upon the earth. We live as though. We're going to live forever. We make preparations. For everything in the world. Except dying. We have the philosophy that we're going to eat, drink, and be merry, and live happily ever after. There's a lot of ups and downs in life. Have you noticed that? There's a lot of ins and outs in life. A lot of hills and a lot of valleys. A time of plenty and a time of famine. If you've lived very long, you have experience that these kids do not have. Someone has said, and you know it's an expert that said it. We we retain 5 to 10% of everything we hear. 5 to 10%. Of what we hear. Twenty percent of what we see. Forty percent of what we see and hear. Sixty percent of that which we discuss. Ninety-five percent of that which we experience. A footnote. Isn't it tragic? We don't learn by hearing. And we got to learn by experience. The tragedy of tragedies is that every Sunday you hear. But it seemingly just does not sink in. And then I get a phone call. Preacher, could we talk to you? And you begin to enumerate the experiences that you're going through. Wouldn't it be a lot wiser to learn by listening? Kids, can I help you a little bit? In these teenage years, your elevator does not go all the way to the top floor. It hangs up somewhere between the basement and the attic. You have the body, you have the brains. You just don't have the experience. Now you can either learn from your parents and from the Bible and from the Lord by hearing. And if you got 
a whole lot of intellect, you might learn by watching the mistakes of some of us. But if you're so boneheaded that you will not learn by hearing and seeing, God has another avenue in which you will learn. And those are extremely harsh and difficult. Job is writing to us today, not out of a life of seeing and hearing, not out of a life of discussion, but out of a life filled with experience. May we today learn from a man who has gone to the valley Stayed there beyond all reason. And he writes to us today and gives us some lessons about life. Verse 1. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? Hireling. You don't own your life. Your life is not yours. It has been bought with a price. We are here not to serve ourselves. We're here to serve our creator and our maker and our redeemer. Is it not like a hireling? As a servant earnestly desireth the shadow. And as a hireling looking, looketh for the reward of his work, so am I made to possess months of vanity. And wearisome nights are appointed unto me. When I lie down, I say, when shall I arise and the night be gone? I am full of tossings to and fro until the dawning of the day. My flesh is clothed with worms and clods of the dust. My skin is broken and become loathsome, sitting in the ashes wrapped in sackcloth. Eat up with leprosy. His family gone. His wealth gone. His friends are ridiculing him and accusing him of being a ferocious sinner. And he sits there in this ash heap with running putrefying sores running all over his body. And he describes, I can't sleep at night. I lay down and I want the morning to hasten. I toss to and fro. My days, verse 6, are swifter than a weaver's shuttle and are spent without hope. Oh, remember that my life is wind 
are just a breath. My eyes shall no more see good. Wow. We got it bad, don't we? Our Father today, I pray, please speak not only to those who listen today, but speak also to me. Lord, there is a message here for all of us. And Lord, please help us to grasp it while there is time. In Jesus' name, amen. James asks the question, what is your life? Could I ask you today the question, what is your life? Now for Chris, his life in the next few weeks are going to be like eating dessert down at Golden Corral. Sleep as long as he'd like. Walk up to the cook and say, I'd like my steak medium rare, please. My potato cooked well. What is your life? James says some of us are kind of taking for granted God's goodness. And we live as though tomorrow is going to be here. And it will be filled with plenty. But James answered his own question and said, Your life is but a vapor. It's like fog. It's like a cloud. It's like the mist when you're watering your yard and the sun shows the mist. It, your life is but a vapor that appeareth for a little while and then vanisheth away. Have you thought about that lately? That you're not going to live forever. Someone has said that life can be compared to an auto race. And since it's a memorial weekend and they're having the big races. A prearranged course. God's already arranged the course that you'll take. Not only that. There's many spectators. And they're watching. Little eyes are watching every life. Little eyes are watching every mom and dad. Every law of sinners watching some saved person to see and watch and even rejoice when you fall and falter in your walk for Christ. It's a pre-arranged course. It's, uh, it has many spectators. It's all laid out. But I also say there's probably many obstacles. And no one knows. When you're on the last lap. It wasn't but just a few weeks ago. A dear happy Christian walked this aisle. I met him the first time next door to my house. And invited him to come to church and talk to him about the Lord. And he came and visited three or four weeks. And 
just was thrilled to death and got everything right with God. And he's such a happy person. He joined our church on Sunday. He went to be with the Lord on Tuesday. What lap are you in? You who are so smart. You who have it all figured out. You who are in control of your life. Which lap are you in? Kind of like an auto race, don't you think? It could be reckoned unto a sea voyage. Life can be compared to that. Sometimes it's just smooth sailing, amen? All the bills are paid. Money in the bank. Cows still giving milk. There's water in the pond. Just smooth sailing. The kids have lost their voice. (laughs) And daddy started reading his Bible. Smooth sailing. And then the winds begin to blow. And the waves begin to rise. Kids grow up and become teenagers. Hurricane. A number five tornado hits the house. That's life. Smooth selling. Torrential times. Sometimes it seems like it's kind of hard to keep your head above water. Job is having a hard time keeping his head above water. He's hit one of those turbulent times. For no reason at all, winds have begun to blow. And it blew his family away. It blew his wealth away. It blew his health away. And last but not least, to put shame and hurt beyond all measure, his wife walks up and said, curse God, old man, and die. That's a real help me. I wouldn't want her cooking my breakfast. That's life. That's all of our lives. Paul said, and he listed it this way. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere. And in all things, I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry. Both to be abound and suffer need. The trouble with us, most of the time, we don't learn from the instruction that God sends our way. Come on now, let me have an amen. I know I'm not yelling and screaming, doing didos, but it's the truth. Amen. Amen. We do not learn. Paul said, I have been instructed. That's what Job is trying to do to our young folk today and to we. He's trying to instruct us something about life. Paul had learned by experience how he can have the good one day. And the bad the next. 
Have you ever had a bad day? And just knew it could not get worse. But it did. Have you ever had a refrigerator full one day? And the power went out. And you wish it had been empty. Gone. Have you ever put the key in your car and started it one day and bloop, 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 what's sounding good? The next day you're walking. It wouldn't start. Have you ever left home one day and she says, I'll have dinner for you tonight. The next day she says, you better stop at McDonald's on your way home. That's life. But we do not need to experience tragedy to learn, to enjoy, to fulfill and live a victorious life. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. Someone has said in an average lifetime, the average American spends three years in business meetings. John, you've beat that already. 13 years watching television. Kids, you're way ahead. <laughs> Spends eight, $89,281 on food. Consumes 109,354 pounds of food. Give or take a couple of tons. Makes 1,811 trips to McDonald's. Where are you, Jim? You're pretty close. <laughs> Life. We can learn some wonderful truths from Job. Notice in verse 3 of chapter 1, Job 2 has abounded. The wealthiest man in all the region. A righteous man. He'd experienced plenty. He'd experienced success. And he experienced everything that he had worked for all of his life. But like Paul, he had been abased in chapter 1, verse 13 through 16. In one day. Listen to me. In one day. Job lost his wealth, his kids, his home, everything. And then he got leprosy to boot. And his wife walked by and said, you need to cuss God and die. And his three best friends came by. Instead of understanding, said to Job, you deserve it. There's probably some ugly, dirty sin in your life that nobody knows but you and God. And Job, you're where you are because of what you've done. And then Job says, in verse 6, 
My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Job 7 and verse 6. Job says, compares his life to a weaver's shuttle. Wonder what in the world Job's trying to say to you and I today. You have to be an old person to remember a weaver's shuttle. The shuttle would pick up the thread, go to the garment, and leave a stitch. Go to the thread, to the garment, leave the switch. That's as fast. And did that over and over and over until nothing became something. You came into this world a nothing. Barefooted, toothless, and most likely bald-headed. Selfish, untrained, full of yourself and empty of everything else. Nothing. And you begin to grow. And learn one stitch at a time. Until you found out you had hands. Then one day you had thumb. That's when you discovered your mouth. One stitch at a time. What's the comparison? What's the illustration? I think in the first place, what Job is trying to tell us, that it has been almost no time at all since these graduates discovered their thumb. (laughs) The Weaver Shuttle speaks of the swiftness of life. Say, any of you folk remember when you had teeth? How about hair? (laughs) Some of you have already moved into the metallic age. Gold in your teeth, silver in your hair, lead in your pants. Something miraculous happened when I was 21. All of a sudden, Christmas started showing up every six months. Swiftness. The weaver's shuttle was swift. Picking up a thread, leaving it on the garment. Picking up the thread, leaving it on almost so swift that you could hardly see it as it passed back and forth. And that's like life. 26 years ago, I started this church. I had hair to hear. It was not a glare on the TV. The disadvantage of having cameras in the ceiling is they see your bald head. That's happened overnight. You know what Job's trying to tell us? Job is trying to tell us You're going to be old before you know it. 
You're going to be old. Things won't work like they used to. You can't take opportunities that God has sent your way one of these days. Your mind will say you can, but your body will say tilt. Now my prayers are longer. It takes me that long to get up. Are you learning anything today from Job? Or do you just say, I'm going to be boneheaded and I'm just going to learn my own way. I'm going to take the bumps. I'm going to take the wind. I'm going to go through the storms. I'm going to do it. Come rain or shine, hell or high water. I'm not going to listen to anybody. Well, there's always experience. Buddy, I'll tell you, I believe I'd take the... 5 to 10% and build my life on hearing the word of God, responding to the word of God, and listen to the spirit of God because he'll keep us out of those difficult, troublesome times. And if he does not, he'll be faithful to go with us through it. The weaver shuttle speaks of the swiftness. I went to watch my grandson graduate from elementary school the other night. I was so proud of him. He's a lot younger when he got out of elementary than his grandfather. (laughs) I just had a very attractive teacher in the fifth grade, and I stayed there about five years. (laughs) Time does have a way of getting away from you. Hmm? The swiftness. Of life. Notice James said it just appears for a little while and then it vanisheth away. Yesterday didn't seem like 24 hours to me. Today's, today is half gone. Some of you ain't been up two hours and the day's gone. <laughs> Verse 8. Look in your Bible. Verse 8. Oh, remember. That's what Job said. Oh, remember. That the life is when. You know how sure your life is? One breath. One tiny breath and you're gone. Well, I might have an automobile accident and die. No, a net may flap your nose and suffocate you. Breath. Breath. You making plans for tomorrow? James said that's foolish. You only got right now. Someone has said, yesterday is a canceled check. Tomorrow is a promissory note. Today is the only cash you have. Spend it wisely. Take advantage of today in its fullness. Whatever God has you to do and wants you to do, do it with all your might. The next song you hear, enjoy it to the fullness. 
The next friend you see, shake your hand and thank God you've got one friend. Take full advantage because it's swiftly fading away. Secondly, a weaver's shuttle is indicative and speaks of leaving something behind. Every time the shuttle went, it left a stitch behind. Every time it went, it left a stitch behind. What are you leaving behind? When you're gone, what have you left behind? I think this is a perfect comparison to every day of my life. We're leaving something behind every single day. An hour of our life. Is what you are weaving. Benefiting anybody. Beside yourself. Or is all of your efforts. And all of your talents. And all of your all. Being spent on you. I'm glad that the weaver's shuttle was not like a lot of Baptists because they'd leave a stitch every once in a while. The garment would be tattered. The the garment would be soiled if we, if the shuttle was not faithful to leave the stitch every time. And I just wonder, why do we think that our life is our own? We can do what we will with it. When every day, Every moment, you're leaving something behind. And if I do your funeral, will I have to lie to satisfy your family? Will your eulogy be a farce and fraudulent? Because your life is a stitch, one stitch at a time. Could I have an amen? Too many folks are asleep right now. By the way, did you leave any stitches before you left the house this morning? Did you cuss any of the kids out? In Jesus' name before you got here. (laughs) One stitch at a time. I'm leaving something behind. A legacy? Yes. I'm leaving something? You are too. Your life is a legacy. And people will remember you for years. You're leaving a testimony behind. You're leaving some kids behind. That's why 
Job said. Boy, we need to be careful because we're leaving something behind. I'm leaving a ministry behind. What kind of ministry do I want to leave behind? I'm leaving a message behind. I'm leaving messengers behind. What are you leaving behind? What will your kids, what will your working companions say about you when you're gone? Will you be an encouragement for the Lord or will you be a discouragement for the Lord. I must close. The weaver shuttle speaks of the swiftness of life. The weaver shuttle speaks of leaving something behind. It also speaks of making something for the future. Job's life at this particular time was a king-sized mess. Sick, broke, without family or friend. Suffering beyond measure with no hydrocrodone. No painkillers at all. Nothing to help his emotional state, his physical state. Job's life was a mess. And it didn't look like he was worse much. It's described, so I made, so am I made to possess months of vanity, loneliness. And wearisome nights are appointed to me. When I lay down, I say, when shall I rise? Have you ever laid down in bed at night and couldn't go to sleep? And just toss and turn and wish morning would come. You'd rather be tired. You'd rather be weary. As to suffer the loneliness and not being able to sleep. I want to close with this thought. When this was written, listen, Job was still on the loom being weaved. From where Job looked, life was nothing but a bunch of knots and thread and ugliness. Because Job was the garment that was being weaved. I don't know where you are today. But God has a pre-prescribed route and course for you. I do not know which lap of the race you're in. 
It could be the middle of the race. It could be the last lap. But all of us are still on God's loom. And he's working on the garment. Got to take place in your lifetime, not in somebody else's. And for where Job looked, the garment was ugly. It was not finished. When I was just a wee lad, the ladies had quilting parties. I don't know if you, I don't know if any of you ever experienced any of that. You could learn more at a quilting party than you could watch in the six o'clock news. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> and this big rack hang down with strings or ties from the ceiling. And the quilt was being made on this rack. And all the ladies would get around the quilt and they would sew the patches in different patches and everything. We kids would crawl around on the floor and get in all kinds of trouble. I've gone up under the quilt and looked at the bottom side and all you could see from the bottom side with the quilt were just the hanging threads, the ragged edges of the patches. And I used to say, That's got to be the dumbest bunch of women in the world to spend so much time making anything so ugly. Then one day, they turned the quilt over. I saw the finished product. I was just looking at the quilt while it was on the loom. You say, I don't like the way things are going in her life. Why don't you just shut up and let God take care of the stitching? You say, I don't think they ought to have done that. You just, just take care of your own life because you're a patch in God's great big quilt. And God is the one who's doing the stitching. Are you willing to let God... Put the stitches where he wants them. Are you willing to hang in there even if she didn't cook breakfast for you? Are you willing to hang in there even though God thought maybe it's time to take your mate home and leave you here for a different re- for another reason? You're still on the loom. Can anybody say amen? amen. Now here's the key. Verse 8. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Here's the key. Oh, remember. Oh, remember. Would you please remember today that God loves you beyond all comprehension. But God commended his love toward you and while you were at a sinner, Christ died for you. Amen. Would you please remember today that God did not die a martyr's death. He died a substitutionary death. He died for your sins. Amen. Every one of them. Amen. Oh, remember. 
that God died just for you. Oh, remember, heaven awaits for you. But you better remember, you got to take care of that in this life. Because once they throw dirt on your casket, it's too late to get prepared for the one to come. Oh, remember that the Apostle Paul said today is the day of salvation. Your life is swiftly eroding, swiftly passing by. As a wind, it will be gone. You better take care of that thing called salvation today. If you have not been saved, if you're not doing what God wants you to do 100%, do it today before you're gone.